This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid's on the ice. Russell can't get it to him. He'll reset with 20 seconds to go. He gives it up for McDavid. He's got a breakaway. Pulls up centers. One-timer score! He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Thank you, disembodied announcer voice. In the NHL tonight, Dallas is up 1-0 on St. Louis. Or, pardon me, Dallas is up 1-0 on Boston. That is with six minutes left in the first period. St. Louis is up 1-0 on Vancouver. That's early in the second period. The Jets lead the Ducks 2-1. That's in the second period. Shifley with his 22nd. Ehlers with his 28th. Line A is playing. There was some doubt he would be able to go, but he is in for the Jets. Devils up 3-1 on the Penguins after two. A win for the Devils would put them three points up on Florida for the second wildcard spot in the East. Montreal leads Buffalo 1-0 in the third women's world curling championship 4-4 Canada and the United States after seven Canada trying to finish the round robin undefeated they will have a bye into the semifinals the United States has locked up a spot in the quarters it's a a 13 team field there for the women worlds the top six make the playoffs first two teams get a bye into the semis three through six playoff uh, in the quarters Caitlin Osmond, spoiler alert. In case you're, well, I don't know. So, so somebody texted in. Why, why did you get a complaint about giving out a sports result on a sports show? Well, we did. But Caitlin Osmond from Edmonton, women's world figure skating champion, that happened earlier today in Italy. First Canadian woman to win worlds since Karen Magnuson in 1973. Osmond with a near-perfect program today. She pulled off seven triples. She only had one minor deduction. The Olympic champion, Alina Zagatova, who was favored to win, fell three times in her long program today. So Osmond gets gold at Worlds. That is awesome stuff for her. Jason Moss will be the offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Eskimos, along as, long, as well as the head coach, Carson Walsh, who was the OC last year, left the Eskimos to join the Philadelphia Eagles as an assistant receivers coach. Of course, CFL week in Winnipeg is ongoing. A lot of stories coming out of there. Uh, the Calgary Flames uh, looks like they're going to shut down Sean Monahan because of a couple of injuries. He's had a big year, 64 points in 74 games, but uh, he needs to get some things taken care of. Uh, the texter who uh, wrote in about Talbot about Talbot having his play affected because of his twins has uh, written back. 
Yes, Talbot had kids last year, but babies sleep. Once children are older, they require far more interaction and sleep a bit less is what I'm referring to. This texture goes on to say, I feel that Yamamoto is a bit too small to endure playing a full season on the first line, generally matched against bigger bodies. Unless he becomes a Johnny Goudreau-type player, he would probably be best suited for second-line duty, more so like Tyler Johnson. All right. Well, I don't have kids. So I've never had to deal with that. I don't, there should somebody should here, here's what somebody in the, the one of the analytics guys should do stats before and after becoming a father that'd be interesting wouldn't it well why, why not they 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 they, they, they got stats for everything else these days <laughs> what percentage drop off or increase do hockey players have goaltenders in particular after having children i'm only being partially sarcastic Maybe there's something to that. I know Jack Nicholas won several majors after having kids. I, there's there's a great story I heard Jack Nicholas tell once. The U.S. Open always ends on on uh, Father's Day, and I think it was also his son's birthday. I can't remember how many kids he, kids he has, but his son's birthday, and the kid was pretty little, like six or eight or whatever. And somebody said to him, "You won you won the U.S. Open. What did your, you and your family do to celebrate?" And Jack Nicholas said, we went to McDonald's. <laughs> and the interviewer said, how do you go to McDonald's after you win the U.S. Open? And Jack said, well, it was my son's birthday and he got to pick the spot. That was the priority, not the picking to celebrate the U.S. Open, letting my son pick where it was for his birthday. So there you go. Jack Nicholas, not always the most slender of golfers when he played either. So perhaps, you know, the kids were picking the meals at McDonald's a little too often. I don't think it but, mattered back then, did it? The shape of the athlete when he was good? Like, you were a good athlete or you there were There were some okay. portly golfers back in the day. It's like uh, curling. Look at how curling's changed. It, the curling has changed a lot. Big time. It's, it's insane what, how good, well, it's not insane, but it's it's amazing what, uh, what good shape the uh, curlers are in. Here is the text of the week. Coming in with 50 minutes left in the week. This individual did not sign his or her name. Karen Magnuson won? Thanks, I taped that, but I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> no, no, that is good. Because we did have a complaint off the top of the show that I said Caitlin Osmond won gold. Correct. Uh, a listener called in and said I taped the, the Worlds, because I think CBC, CBC is showing them in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this person said I didn't know what happened. And now Reed has ruined it for me. Of course, Karen Magnuson won Worlds in 1973. Were there even home recording devices in 1973? I think it was 1983 my family got a first VCR. They had the giant reel-to-reel tape decks. Yeah, this, this texture yeah. had... <laughs> maybe this texture actually got somebody to film it for him and then mail him the, the film. They did and have he the... hadn't got around to... He's, he's got these big reels yeah. in, in, in his basement. 1973 Women's World Curly Championships. They did Don't have tell those 8mm uh, camcorders back then. <laughs> that, is Kevin, crank, that, that is uh, <laughs> Kevin texting in. <laughs> Kevin, I hope someday you call the show. That was very funny. Thank you for that. 780-496-0063 is the phone number and the text line is, of course, 630-630. Uh, this text, or Brian says, that one pass and shoot idea is why Ken Hitchcock is still coaching and Todd's power pay coaches should be turfed. Well, maybe there'll be a change uh, in the, to the assistants this summer. Who knows? Uh, 
Uh, Dirk says, uh, hi, Reed. I wish the NCAA hockey playoffs were available to watch. I'm not caught up in the basketball March Madness. Guess I'm in the minority. Good old Canadian hockey boy Dirk from Cochrane. Dirk often tunes in from southern Alberta. I think some of the NCAA games have been on, haven't they? I thought somebody, but I don't. I don't think the whole tournament is on in Canada. No. I know. Uh, so the the uh, Cooper Marodi from Michigan. I think they play tomorrow. He's the guy the Oilers just traded for. And our program director here, our boss, our grand poobah, Sid Smith. His son plays for uh, Michigan Tech. They're in the NCAA tournament. All leading into the Frozen Four. So some scores I'll be watching there. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a quick timeout. This, this is going to be interesting. I spoke to a sports bigwig today. His name is Paul Byrne. He's the president of the Canadian Premier League, and he's hoping the FAF group and FC Edmonton will be able to join their league for next year. We'll have the details when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Mike Riley on the show earlier this week. That was pretty cool. Busy young man. Talked a lot about the, the new football. The football is going to feel a little differently in the CFL this year. It'll look the same. It'll feel a little different for the quarterback and the receivers. Maybe a bit of a improved and more consistent grip. You missed that Riley interview. You miss anything else. You can sign up for the Inside Sports podcast on iTunes. Or you can go to 630Ched.com, go to the Inside Sports page, and all the past shows are loaded there as well. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630, some good ones coming in this evening. I'll uh, update the scoreboard after the 730 News. I, I got to sit down with Paul Byrne today. He's the president of the Canadian Premier, uh, Premier League. Now, that's a soccer league that is hoping to launch in the spring of 2019, and it I think they're hoping it's going to include FC Edmonton. And don't forget, FC Edmonton has is, is not folded. It's not defunct. They they pulled out of the North American Soccer League. So I think they're, the, the league and the, and the FC Edmonton organization are looking at each other to see if there could be a fit here that would work, that would keep pro soccer in Edmonton, and maybe would bring some more stability uh, for fans and for players and for owners. So I met Paul today at the uh, Commonwealth Rec Centre and had a chat. Well, Paul, thanks for making time for me. I know it's a busy trip here to Edmonton with a, with a lot going on. First of all, let's, let's get a little bit of background here of the Canadian Premier League. Where was, uh, where was the seed for this uh, planted and, and where are you at right now? Uh, the seed was planted, uh, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, the seed was planted several years ago. The The fellow who runs the Canadian Soccer Association is, uh, or used to run, excuse me, is a fellow named Victor Montagliani. He had, had surmised that if Canada's ever going to get better at uh, on the global level, then we need a domestic team, We are a domestic league. We need a, a place for youngsters to, to be able to go and play. Um, and uh, he got together with some of the uh, CFL owners, in particular Bob Young of the, the Hamilton Tiger. Cats, and uh, and sort of brought this idea forward, and that was the that was really the beginning of it. Since then, we've done you know it's four years later, we've done a ton of work and ton of effort been put into finding the right owners, the right communities, and uh, and the right facilities. And so we're 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 right at the precipice now. We're getting ready to launch. Okay, so what committed franchises do you have uh, at the moment? Obviously, there are three cities that have MLS teams. Those those teams all those cities also have CFL teams. So are we looking at the other? six CFL cities potentially, or, or where are we going here? Uh, this isn't a CFL uh, enterprise. This, the, there, there are some shared so ownership. That, but I'm just wondering if there are ties with stadiums and locations. Um, yeah. So I, you know what, I can tell you that we're, we're talking to 20 different 
owners slash communities um, about projects across the country. So, you know, what what we will launch with is just a start and then we will start to see growth um, throughout the subsequent years. Our goal is to have 16 teams across the country by 2026 and, uh, and right now I, I think we're on pace to um, probably get to 12 by 2022. So yeah, I think we're, we're already there. Okay. And you want to start 2019? Correct, yeah. With how many do you think? Uh, we've always said that we won't start with fewer than six, so I'm going to stick to that. Okay. <laughs> so in terms of Edmonton, uh, you're here, so that's... Is Edmonton confirmed to be one of the six, or where are we at? Uh, no, we're not prepared to confirm at this point. Um, what I can say is that you know we've done our due diligence in, a, in, in all of our communities across the country. Um, I came back for two reasons. One is I hadn't had a chance, an opportunity to see uh, the ground here at, at Clark Field. Um, but really, you know, selfishly, I wanted to really get a sense of what's going on with this YEG for uh, CanPL. This this supporters um, group has, has really it's, it's more than a supporter group. It, it's they they've really spurred on a movement and uh, you know for your listeners who, who might may not be aware there's a campaign they're calling the rally rabbit that uh, um, is is just unprecedented in Canadian sport so you know the, the I think the nucleus of this group was from FC Edmonton supporters um, and when Tom Fath you know shut the doors on FC Edmonton several months ago um, Remarkably, they decided that they're not prepared to let him go, and uh, and it's a terrific story, and it's one you know I've I've spent some time with Tom, and and it's it's really heartwarming. He he's, he really appreciates it, um, and I think they've got his attention. So so now it's a matter of finding the right formula for Edmonton, um, and and you know if the answer is at Footfield, then what what is what does a new Footfield look like? What is it? How does it how does it turn from? Um, a multi-purpose and a multi-sport facility to being, you know, the first soccer-specific uh, uh, stadium in the province and and a real home for the sport. You know, in Edmonton, there's more kids playing soccer than um, hockey and uh, shoot, I'm basketball. forgetting it. Hockey and basketball combined. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable. It's the number one sport in in the city, and uh, and it really needs a home. So foot foot or uh, uh, Clark Field could represent, you know, the future of that. Okay. Paul Byrne joining us. He's the president of the Canadian Premier League. So let's get back to what you mentioned about the Rally Rabbit and the YEG for uh, CanPL. Because I talked to one of the supporters a few, probably more months ago now, when they first were trying to get rolling and just get people together and, and start talking about it. Um, I mean, what's it like been talking to some of those people and the energy coming from that sector? Oh, you nailed it. it it's, it's about the energy. You know, being a soccer supporter is a little different than any other sport. It really is a lifestyle choice, and it is, it is, a, uh, it, it is something that becomes all-encompassing. And, uh, and it's clear that, that uh, you know, a number of Edmontonians have, have uh, already been bitten by that bug. And, uh, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is, is to open the eyes and, and create the opportunity for more people to have that. If you, you see the type of support that is at European clubs and South American clubs, and now you're starting to see it in North American clubs, and it's 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 just absolutely terrific, and, and I, I get goosebumps when I think about the power of sport and what it can do um, for a community, the positive impact it can have on the community. So, some of the nuts and bolts of the league, and I, and I realize maybe some of this is still up for discussion, but I want to ask you. Sure. Um, Salary cap, uh, certain number of Canadian players per team, how would all that work? Well, we are more than anything 
Job one is we are by Canadians for Canadians. So absolutely, we will have limits on import players. We will have mandated numbers of Canadians um, on each squad. And uh, and you know, at the outset, it's really important for us to um, learn from the mistakes of some of the people who have come before us in other Canadians leagues, the Canadian leagues that have, have um, you know come and gone. Um, incidentally, the reason they've gone has never been for lacks of uh, fan support. It's always been for business reasons, and uh, that's why we've taken so long to to set this up. It's because we wanted to get the business infrastructure in place first and make it proper so that we can grow into something that is absolutely sustainable. And and you know I, I, I tell people that this isn't a five-year plan or a ten-year plan. We're building a league for the next hundred years. Okay, you sort of answered this, but I got to ask you the question because uh, I know from working in in the media for a while, and even back almost 20 years ago, I briefly worked for the Edmonton Drillers Indoor Soccer Club, owned by Wojtek Vucicki, who I had on my show a few weeks ago, and he told some stories. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Paul, and, and you know this, the, the history of soccer in a lot of cities in Canada is is the history of failed soccer franchises. So there can be some skepticism when you try to get, and, and the fast have and did do great and are doing great with FC Edmonton, but ultimately they're still kind of in limbo here. So what's gonna make this one different that 10, 20 years from now it will still be around? Well, two things, I think. One is the uh, what I said about the business. You know, the, the business infrastructure is in place, and we are, we're, we're setting in place rules and programs and salary caps um, to ensure that, that we don't overextend ourselves. And that we, uh, generally what happens with, with sports owners is that they get out of control because they fall in love with their team. And if you have seven owners who are convincing themselves that if I spend more than I can afford and I win the league, then it'll all come back. But in that scenario, there's only one winner, and there's all you know. There's everyone else is a loser. That's the problem. That's the cycle of, of soccer in the past. So the first thing is the right business structure. The second thing is is I think the country is ready, and you know we proved that in Toronto with Toronto FC. Um, that that I, I spent a year pushing water uphill when we launched Toronto FC, um, and uh, and 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 what became apparent is that there's a new generation of, of like the, the the global game is way more accessible. The FIFA game in uh, in you know the EA Sports FIFA game, the the the, the last two generations have grown up in a completely different soccer world than the generations before them. And if you layer on top of that, new Canadians, you know, we, we bring in 1% of our population as newcomers every single year. So in the last 30 years, that's, that's one third of the country that we've replaced with newcomers. And they're all coming from, from uh, footballing our soccer nations. Okay, that is Paul Byrne. He's the president of the Canadian Premier League, new soccer league hoping to launch across Canada next spring. I'm sure FC Edmonton would be a part of it if it does get going. You heard the plan, salary cap, Canadian content, try to, uh, you know, build homegrown talent, build up a soccer league. Uh, it's a, it's one of those plans, always sounds great, looks great on paper. Hopefully it, it can go. The FAF group has been tremendous uh, with what they've done for soccer here in Edmonton. And remember, FC Edmonton does still exist. They don't have a league right now, but the academies are still going. They're still supporting grassroots soccer. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. So I got a text here from the Big K in Edmonton. Hey, Reed, why don't you give us some NCAA ice hockey scores? I'm sure nobody has them taped. Ha, ha, ha. Well, ask and ye shall receive, Big K. 
NCAA Ice Hockey Tournament. Air Force beats St. Cloud 4-1. Notre Dame over Michigan Tech 4-3 in overtime. In the third period, Providence leads Clarkson 1-0. Also in the third period, Minnesota State Mankato leads Minnesota Duluth 2-1. So there you go. NHL tonight. Canadians have beaten the Sabres 3-0. Devils and Penguins now 3-3 with six minutes left. In the second period, Jets up 2-1 on the Ducks. Blues up 2-1 on Vancouver. And the Stars lead the Bruins 1-0. Women's World Curling Championship after nine. Canada leads the United States 7-5. Jennifer Jones trying to go undefeated through the round robin. Oilers tomorrow against the Kings. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop. And then on Sunday, 6 o'clock face-off show, 7.30 game start. Oilers against the Ducks on Sunday. Well, you know, uh, I was talking to Rob Brown as we were watching the Oilers game last night. And he said, Reid, I went to this amazing game on Wednesday. I was like, what was it? Bantam AAA, St. Albert Sabres against Airdrie, Game 5 of the Best of 5 Provincial Final in the AMBHL. That's the Bantam AAA League in Alberta. Quadruple overtime. Now, unfortunately for the locals, Airdrie won 2-1 in overtime, but this was an epic and memorable series, and I'm pleased to be joined by the coach of the St. Albert Sabres Bantam team, an old friend of mine from my days in Lloyd Minster when he was playing in the Western Hockey League. It is Lee Zalaski. Lee, how are you doing? I'm good, Reed. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's good to talk to you. It was funny. Rob's telling me this story last night, and I said, oh, that's that's neat. Maybe that's something worth talking about on Inside Sports. I said, who's the coach of the team? And he goes, well, a guy named Lee Zalaski. And I just started laughing because you and I, uh, like I said, have known each other off and on for a long time. Uh, I come, I came to Edmonton to work. You're playing for the Golden Bears. You were on the Bears uh, coaching staff for a while, and, and now you're doing this Bantam AAA. How, how, how have you liked, first of all, before we get into this series, how have you liked working with that, that age group of kids? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's been a new experience for sure. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I, it's been, this was, I think, uh, my sixth, seventh, eighth year, somewhere in there with this level. I don't, I've done one year at, at the midget 15 level. But uh, the 13, 14 old age group, uh, they're coming out of Peewee. Um, you got the Bantam draft coming up for them as second years. Uh, their first year of hitting, if they're coming out of Peewee, so there's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> scouts, uh, advisors, get into the picture. Um, it's it's quite the dynamics at this level. So, uh, but it's been a, f- a fun ride last you know six to eight years, and it's been fun giving back and trying to share our experiences and move these players along in life and in hockey. Now we should talk, and the reason I want to talk about this series is because I mean it's one of those if this happened in the NHL, it's one of these series people would be talking about for years. Airdrie won the first game three two in overtime. Airdrie won the second game 3-2 in triple overtime. You guys won game 3-7-6 in overtime. Then the only game that didn't go to overtime, you guys won 4-3. And then, as we mentioned on Wednesday, Airdrie wins 2-1 in quadruple overtime. I mean, take us through the tension and the emotional ride of that series for you and your players. Yeah, well, even at that, when we were, uh, that game that didn't go to overtime, uh, we scored the winning goal with 19 seconds left in the third period. So it was sheer seconds away from <laughs> hitting an overtime as well. But, uh, yeah, we, we 
hosted the first two games uh, here in St. Albert and uh, came up on the short end of the stick in both those overtimes, like you mentioned, 3-2. So uh, it was a big uh, big mountain to climb um, to get back into it and force that game seven at home, or game five at home, sorry. And um, there was a lot of adversity through the series and ups and downs and highs and lows and uh, thought we would get out at least at home with a with a split we played well enough in those two games at least get one of them but then you uh, you get through that those games and you're you come up empty-handed and heading there down to nothing so uh, a large mountain to climb there and uh, we were able to we we're up six four in game three in Airdrie, and they scored in the last five minutes. They scored two goals to tie it up, and made six six, and we're off to overtime again. So, another roller coaster game there. Um, but we grinded that out and got the seven six win. Um, then coming into game four, we're down two one in the series. Uh, we're down three one in the game with seven minutes left, and we score to make it three two. And then a minute thirty left in game four, we score again to tie the game. And then nineteen seconds left, we score the game winning goal and force a game five here at home. Um, so it was a very interesting series. And then obviously with the game five could group overtime. It was just watching a good ping pong match at one point because uh, legs in both both teams for the players were, were lacking and you see guys hunched over. We had guys on the bench cramping up and kind of screaming a bit and trainers sprinting around trying to uh, loosen up their calf muscles and stuff. And, you're just looking to put five guys in the ice that can kind of stand at one point. So um, it was it was a great series, uh, one to be remembered for sure. And uh, we had never seen Airdrie heading into this. Uh, we had never played against them uh, in the league or any exhibition or tournament. So it was our first meeting was uh, this series and, you know, went toe-to-toe with them pretty good, I thought. Yeah, Lee Zalaski joining us, head coach of the St. Albert Sabres Bantam AAA team. Uh, an incredible league final against Airdrie. Four of the five games going to overtime. Airdrie won the fifth and deciding game in quadruple overtime. I mean, like Rob Brown played a five overtime game in the NHL where they got pizza in between periods. Like, what were, did you have to get some fuel for the guys? What were you doing? Yeah, the big thing is. Even with these games, you're looking at for the game, and you have an, a plan, meal plan in mind with our with our staff and our manager that uh, food food in the room and how much, and uh, even going through the overtime, looking when we were we were dropping in a hurry with what we had remaining for food and nutrition. So uh, at midway, I think, think it was the sixth over or sixth period, or called the third overtime, or whatever you want to call it. They ran across Tim Hortons there and grabbed some donuts. So there was guys. By the time the donuts got back, we were now in the seventh overtime, and guys were eating donuts on the bench just trying to get, get their sugar levels up. And, uh, you know, it seemed to work. We were, we were pushing, and we had some opportunities to score, but uh, they got the last one there on us. So, you know, at that point, it's, it's just something to get their sugar levels up and just get, keep them going because uh, there was a lot of guys dehydrated, never been nowhere near that that experience. I don't, I don't know if I ever played that long in a, in a game, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, there were some tight, tight legs, and we only play with three lines, right? So it's, it's not, it's not a four line roll to four lines, and both teams skating with three lines, and um, yeah, there's a lot of ice time for the guys for sure. Lee, I mean, you've been, you've been a player now. Now you're coaching, and you know this is so emotional, and and like these kids are are teenagers for them. These are probably the biggest games they've ever played, and 
and uh, you know it's it's tough to go through that and and, and not get the win. Well, just what's and I'm sure you're very proud of your team. What's the message to them uh, after a series? How do you? I, I don't want to say necessarily lift their spirits, but I'm sure you're even though they lost, you're trying to deliver a, a proud and positive message to them. Yeah, and we try to take a proactive approach uh, before the game. Just you know, tell them how proud we were for them to fight back in the series, regardless of what happens. Uh, they're they're winners on and off the ice. Um, so the message was there from the start of the game, and that we just wanted them to go play and have some fun, and, and you know, whatever happens, happens, kind of thing. So uh, when they're all when it was all said and done, I don't know if they they had any tears or water left in their body to cry. Um, or even if they'd want to cry with winning tears, it was they were just they were beaten, um, beaten up you know, with uh, physically, mentally, and uh, as a staff, uh, you know, you're you're proud of the way they just left it out there ultimately, and and uh, they competed. Um, I don't I don't know I couldn't say that we were by any means favorites coming to the series. Uh, uh, if you look at kind of the media and stuff where we were, we were ranked versus them. There was a lot of people playing that energy was going to take us out pretty easily um, based off how strong the South was this year. But uh, the guys showed up every game. They competed hard and uh, they turned some heads. So uh, give themselves some hopefully some opportunities whether it's uh, Junior A or Western League. Uh, you know, the scouts there are looking for guys who compete hard and that stuff and the message uh, we want to get across is to go out there and leave it on the line, and and they've opened a lot of eyes, and they're going to get some opportunities uh, moving down the road here. Lee, before I let you go, I mentioned you're a former uh, Golden Bear, and you're also on the coaching staff for a couple of years. Uh, still resonate with you to see them win the championship like they did on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I got to watch that first and um, it was game game four that when we tied it up, made two two in the series, and. Uh, they were playing on that Sunday, as were we. We were playing a little bit later, and I was able to catch it on my iPad. I was uh, I had to watch Game Four from the stands. I was suspended um, for letting my team hop the bench uh, a little early in overtime. They all went to to swarm the guys in Game Three, and the ref uh, tagged me or the league tagged me at the one game suspension for letting the the players leave a little bit early. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. You you got suspended because your players celebrated an <laughs> overtime goal. Uh, they, they yeah they hopped the bench and they went and the ref uh, felt it was it was a little lack of control on my part so I got I got to slap one game suspension so I missed game four. Well, what you watch. have to wait like five seconds after scoring an overtime? I don't understand. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. Okay. But, uh, the way the rules written up, you have to have control your bench. Uh, and the referee felt at that time that I didn't, and they went and based off where the pile was on the ice, I think that's where maybe it was decision by the ref uh it was close to their bench and i'm assuming there's some things said and some a little bit of altercation between a few players that maybe uh led to making that decision but uh yeah it was so i guess to answer your question i got to i got to see the bears the bears in full and watch them win the overtime and um i had to watch game four from upstairs in the lounge with some of the parents unfortunately and uh couldn't be on the bench there with the guys, but we, uh, our staff and players did an excellent job, as did the Bears, obviously. It was, it was great to see them win their 16th title. Right on. Lee, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, it's good to reconnect with you a bit here, and uh, I know you didn't quite get the finish you wanted, but congratulations to you and your team on a great season for the St. Albert Sabres. 
I appreciate it. We'll probably see you around, Reed, probably in the mall again. We seem to run into each other probably every three or four months. That's right. (laughs) Take care, buddy. We'll catch you around the city here. Thank you for your time. That is Lee Zalaski checking in tonight. Incredible story in that Bantam AAA final. I didn't realize he'd been uh, suspended for uh, his players going on the ice to celebrate an overtime goal. Kind of curious, but that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, Quadruple overtime the other night in St. Albert. Airdrie beat the Sabres 2-1. Epic game, epic series. It is 7.47. We're coming back with Oil Kings GM Randy Hanch. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. A lot of discussion about the Nuge earlier. And he's enjoying playing on that line with McDavid and Raddy. It's been good. I mean, it's uh, it's clicking right now. We all find each other well, and uh, we read off each other. So um, Ty's an easy guy to play with. Uh, I've played with him in the past, actually, at different tournaments uh, with Team Canada and stuff. So um, I know him, and I know uh, his tendencies and stuff. So for me, it's been pretty easy to pick up playing with him. And Connor's not, uh, not the hardest guy to play with either. So uh, it's been fun so far. Oilers didn't practice today. They'll take on the Kings tomorrow. 6.30 face-off show here on Ched. Game starts at 8. The Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. The other tenant at Rogers Place, the Edmonton Oil Kings, unfortunately didn't have a great year. Last in the WHL, their general manager is Randy Hanch. Randy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, good, thanks, Reed. How are you? Doing very well. I appreciate you making time for me tonight. I know it's uh, been a busy week with the end of the season and uh, the band draft lottery and uh and uh you know trying to already get 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 ready for next year but uh first of all let's let's start with a couple of days ago you guys uh maintained the first overall pick for the bantam draft kootenai uh won the lottery and moved up a couple spots just in terms of that number one pick uh, i i know you, you you're not gonna give away who, who you're leaning towards or everything but is it a pretty uh is it a pretty wide open field this year in terms of some of the guys you're looking at yeah, it, uh, you know, I, I guess first to touch on it, you know, we were apt to retain the pick. Um, you know, going into it, you never please really ranked uh, where you were. Uh, but uh, then you go into Lolly, you never know what's going to happen, you know, especially at our level with uh, the amount of balls that are there. So, uh, but in the end, we're, we're pleased to retain that pick. And uh, with the draft itself, we, you know, we certainly feel there's a lot of uh, very, you know, good, talented players at the top of the draft. Uh, there's... Uh, players and obviously in both positions that can certainly uh, be part be a big part of teams' futures down the road, and, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to it. All right, uh, you know, obviously you guys had a tough year on the ice. I know there were some good bursts where you guys had some really good results and some really good play, and I know there were some other tough times. I know a lot of times the junior, though, it's it's about development, it's it's about attitude, it's about how the coaches uh, keep the players hopefully improving. Besides the wins or losses, are, are you pleased with what you saw? I mean, did the, did the attitude and the work ethic stay pretty solid with the group throughout the season, or, or how, do you, how do you measure some of those intangible things? Yeah, like in the end, it, it was, there was still some growth and some development with, some, with the majority of our group. Um, you know, the inconsistency part was tough, and uh, sometimes that happens with, uh, you know, being as youthful as we were, and, you know, that was probably the tough part. Uh, as there's nights that we showed that we could compete, and, you know, with uh, some of the elite teams, uh, especially early on. And, uh, you know, so, you know, the peaks and valleys, you're going to have all the time anyways in junior hockey, but uh, we had quite a few of those this year. 
but in the end, that uh, you know we won the stage of the plan that we talked about doing. Uh, you know, a few years ago that we knew we were going to get to uh, with the rebuild and uh, and move forward with our group. Trey, Fi- Trey Fix-Molansky was one guy whose name was often on the score sheet, scored a lot of big goals, wound up with 89 points in 71 games, uh, was far and away the leading scorer in your team. What allowed him to have such a good season, Randy? Well, I, I think for one, Trey's you know, a very talented player, and uh, he has that determination and hunger with the puck. Uh, that, uh, you know, once he has it, he doesn't want to give it up, and, you know, he's a very creative kid. And in saying that, I think, you know, going through the league last year uh, really helped him. It uh, gave him an idea of what to expect, uh, you know, where he had to improve and, and just the overall understanding of, of the league and the level. And then I think to having the opportunity, you know, to play with Thomas, I think was important for him. Uh, Thomas uh, Susso certainly helped him out, you know, uh, a few ways, you know, on the ice and obviously off the ice. So uh, in the end, it was, uh, Trey was a big part of our group and uh, look forward to him continuing on and having bigger, better things. Randy Hanch joining us on Inside Sports. He's the general manager of, of the Edmonton Oil Kings. You know, in junior hockey, obviously players often get better just by getting older and having the experience, so that should help you guys for next season. But, uh, you know, I know as a general manager you have to rely on on a little bit more than, than just players getting older. Um, are, are there any areas you would hope to try to address uh, with your team, maybe through, um, you know, trades or, or anything like that here throughout the summer? Well, I think, again, they read if there's something that's going to make us better and, and certainly help us out, uh, you know, within reason, then that's something we'll look at for sure. Um, if, you know, we, we finished where we did, and I think we can improve in all areas, and that's going to be, you know, uh, the mindset, uh, you know, within reason what we can do. And, and saying that, too, that uh, our guys are going to improve also within that uh, we expect them to. And that's part of junior hockey and development, and uh, they're going to be a year older and a year more mature physically and mentally, and, uh, we expect them to uh, take some extra steps themselves. Well, who are you losing in terms of guys aging out here? Well, obviously, at uh, our 20s with Travis Child, uh, with the graduating Thomas Sustel and uh, Colton Keller. So those are you know three players that uh, will be graduating, and and then uh, obviously you know we'll uh, debrief and kind of go over our roster, uh, you know, in the next uh, few weeks and months, and kind of dissect it and see where we're going forward. All right. Well, Randy, we appreciate you making time for us. Uh, I know it's going to be busy. I know you're getting ready for the Bantam draft coming up on May 3rd, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch, and hopefully you guys are bouncing back in a big way next season. Thanks for checking in tonight. Hey, appreciate it, Reed. Thank you. Oil Kings GM Randy Hanch. Canada finishes the round robin 12-0 and at the Women's World Curling Championship. 8-5 win over the United States tonight. NHL Montreal beats Buffalo 3-0. The Devils a big win. Taylor Hall in overtime is 33rd. Devils 4, Penguins 3. Blues lead the Canucks 2-1 after 2. Jets lead the Ducks 2-1 after 2. Stars up 1-0 on the Bruins, 1-0 in the second period. Edmonton's Caitlin Osmond wins the Women's World Figure Skating Championship. I'll talk to you at 6.30 tomorrow night for the Oilers game. Have a good night. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.